0: thinking aloud conversations on the leading edge of knowledge and discovery with parapsychologist Jeffrey Mishlove Hello and welcome. I'm Jeffrey Mishlove. Today, I'd like to talk about modernism and postmodernism and I suppose to start out with I should tell you, I don't see much difference between the two of them. There are people who will tell you that the postmodern movement is definitely different than than the modern movement. And I think it's true in some areas such as architecture. But I, I remember it's been now 30, 40 years since I interviewed the great religious scholar Houston Smith. About his book, Beyond the Postmodern Mind. And uh, he made a point of telling me from his perspective, he saw very little difference between modernism and and postmodernism. And I'm going to go along with that viewpoint of uh, Houston Smith's, and hopefully you'll see why by the time I come to the end of, of this monologue. I should say, you know, you probably, most of you understand that I have a very unique education. I created my own individual interdisciplinary doctoral major at the University of California, Berkeley in parapsychology. I have the only diploma to my knowledge ever awarded by an accredited university that actually says parapsychology right on, on the diploma. And one of the unique features of my particular journey through academia is that almost without exception, every time I encountered a really great professor, they either quit or got fired. And uh, that includes uh, a fellow named Kerry Prescott or Kerrigan. Prescott he I took his course in uh, theater of the absurd and it was a wonderful course and, and one of the things that he explained is is that the theater of the absurd which began towards the end of the 19th century coincided with the development of psychological theories of the unconscious mind and uh, all of a sudden you find in the theater of of the absurd uh, things that are reflected reflecting dream reality, jumping from one thing to another, uh, uh, talking about things that were previously unmentionable. A a, a great example is the first uh, absurd play, Ubu Hua or King Ubu. Uh, (laughs) It's been repeated in many different ways and in many different forums subsequently, but you get the idea of this tyrannical ruler who is mucking around in his own excrement. It reminds me uh, quite a bit of the political leader uh, of the United States presently, but that's (laughs) another matter. We live in absurd times and I think the point is if you look at theater of the absurd it's one example of the modernism postmodernism movement along with modern art along with changes in architecture and in particular music music has gone through enormous changes just enormous over the last 100 years and What we see in all of these examples, to my way of thinking, is an effort to get at the, um, what's underneath the scabs of modern culture. In, in other words, not to be satisfied with reality as it's been handed down to us by our ancestors. The sort of Victorian world where, the, where the Queen is in her castle and God is up in heaven and all is right with the world. The empire is mighty and prosperous. That all broke down for a hundred different reasons. And today, if you, <laughs> if you read all the comments posted on the New Thinking Aloud interviews, people coming from every perspective explaining one way or another why they're so dissatisfied with what we call reality. And, and the postmodern and modern movements reflect this it's an opportunity uh one might say to make the unconscious conscious which is a great project so that we can be aware of the things that we've been hiding from ourselves and uh, certainly the, uh, the theater uh exemplifies this and uh, here's another example though of of it and uh many many years ago well over 20 years ago I interviewed Dr. Leonard Schlein, who had written a book called The Alphabet and the Goddess. And he describes something that he thinks happened to human consciousness when, when the alphabet was invented. And and that goes back a long time, maybe three, four thousand years ago in human culture. He, He suggests that prior to that time, people thought in visual images and express themselves in visual images. But the alphabet itself became linear rather than uh, – as images are more than linear, at least they're planar. They express a plane, if not a complete three-dimensional model of of reality. But the alphabet itself is, you know, letter by letter, word by word, just as I'm speaking to you now – uh, I'm not trying to use poetical imagery or metaphors or jumping around I'm trying to pursue more or less a logical train of thought that's part of the age in which we live and it's an age that's been going on ever since the first writing appeared when we switched over from hieroglyphs and pictograms and rock paintings for example to a, a an alphabet he said it really changed the brains of people. And uh, as a result of that, he points out that uh, images became verboten. For, in particular, for example, in Islam, where, uh, <laughs> for the most part, there have been some wonderful exceptions to that, but painting was illegal and, uh, in, in Judaism, as as well, uh, there are some images that appear in a synagogue, but for the most part, uh, uh, in inside of Judaism, images are forbidden. Well, the Catholic Church, of course, has many many images, but Schlein suggests that there was a reawakening of the um, imaginal. Capacity of humans to think in images uh, and that happened with the development of photography all of a sudden uh, everybody now has their camera, everybody works with images and even video so uh, that expresses a a, a kind of uh, awakening and and one might say as dark and disgusting as some aspects of modern art and and music uh, and theater can become they seem to in many ways express uh you know alienation anxiety uh, bitterness uh so, you know the the dark side of human nature that's been hidden for so long that it also expresses a kind of an awakening they go hand in hand at at times the creator and the destroyer the destroyer of all the old memes is also in some way the creator of the new ones and that's what we're witnessing in this very turbulent period in in which we exist and i suppose uh, to add fuel to the fire the uh, period of modern art and uh, postmodern art uh, also coincides with uh, the development of modern physics the idea of the indeterminacy principle. Uh, you look at uh, cubist paintings. You see things from many angles at once. We're not uh, and, and things do seem a little bit indeterministic uh, or a lot indeterministic, uh, futuristic art. was also uh, coincides with the development of new technologies. So, you had a new psychology, you had new sciences, you had new physics, and you had two major world wars expressing great disillusionment about what has society become? And I've expressed this uh, before in a previous monologue that, you know, the 20th century with its two major world wars, enormous famines, enormous dislocations and revolutions, in some ways represents a, a low point in all of human history. But out of that low point is the potential for something new, something better, something Different. And, uh, I'm reminded of a poem by T.S. Eliot, clearly, uh, an exemplar in the field of literature of the modernist, postmodernist movement in, uh, his classic poem, Four Quartets, the last poem in, in which he says this, we shall not cease from exploration. And at the end of all our exploring, We shall arrive where we started, only to recognize it for the first time. And If you think about that in a cultural sense, where we started, the earliest, most archaic principles of humanity was what you could think of as animism, the idea that everything is alive. That everything is conscious. The rocks, the trees, this consciousness is everywhere. Everything has spiritual essence embedded in it. That's where we started. and If we could arrive there only to recognize it for the first time, to really understand it, that would seem to be the goal of all of this blooming, buzzing confusion <laughs> in which we're living. I'd like to think that that project is really uh, at the root, at the heart of the New Thinking aloud channel. So, let me conclude by asking you to think about this question where do you stand in relationship to the modernist movement to the postmodernist movement do you think of yourself as someone with a, a more classical a romantic a Victorian sensibility do you think of yourself as as a decadent personality are you wrapped up in the occult and uh, are, are you caught up in conspiracy thinking are you a Futurist, are you an upwinger? as my friend Jason probably you would characterize himself. How do you relate to the modern world? I'll leave you with that thought and thank you once again for being with me.